Welcome to the podcast where we bring on remarkable people to tell their stories. I'm Paul Gilman. I'm Daniel Lance. And this is Podso One. Mia Blancett is an ER nurse who transferred to a hospital in northern New Jersey to work 12-hour days on the COVID front lines. She's a self-described spitfire with plenty of opinions on the pandemic situation and has great takes on what it's like on the ground. Here's Mia. My understanding is that you left New Jersey to go somewhere southern where, jersey to northern jersey so you left to go to like one of the hotter spots so that you yeah. could contribute so, right so i guess now like eight weeks ago this all kind of started and um i am a full-time emergency room nurse at virtual Voorhees. and uh prior to all this we were seeing between 150 200 patients a day and that was our norm um this hit and we dropped down to seeing about 60 patients a day. So our hours were cut, our overtime was cut, we were being flexed before our shifts would even start. And actually one day on Facebook, I um, saw a message someone had posted that University Hospital in Newark uh, was severely desperate for emergency room nurses. So the next day I decided, Let's see if I can help. I emailed uh, their CNO, and later that day, I had an email back with uh, an HR recruiter asking me when I was available to come up, and I went up on a Thursday um, to do my paperwork, and I started work on Monday. Wow. And so, so they wanted you quick. Oh, yeah. Um, so the Monday that I started, they said this Saturday before, they only had six ER nurses available. And what's and, a what's a normal number? Um, I think a normal shift we have like twenty four. Oh my goodness! Yeah, University is a level one trauma center, so we have a main ED which consists of twenty one beds and like seven hallways. We have a mid track, a fast track, and a pediatric ED, and our own crisis unit. And so an like, ED is an emergency department. Department, okay. Oh, we, we probably could have figured that one out. So it's funny, <laughs> like it, it seems kind of uh, not intuitive that the demand dropped at the at Voorhees, where you were originally working. Why do you think that was, especially with all the pandemic stuff going on? So I think one reason, um, honestly, people finally realized that coming to the emergency room for dumb stuff wasn't necessary. So they were like, Oh my goodness, there's a pandemic. I guess this abdominal pain that I've had for six months, I really don't need to go to the emergency room for. Oh, wow. So um, I think that's one thing. I also think that people were scared. Um, One thing that I credit the huge difference between North Jersey and South Jersey is our living situations. Um, Up in North Jersey, they all live on top of each other. They're all apartment living, row homes, and down here, I mean, we're pretty spaced out. We don't, we don't have many apartment buildings. We don't have, you know, so we are at a social distance in our everyday life. We don't have the public transportation that they all take. I mean, still to this day, when I, I just was up there yesterday working, 
the bus stops still every morning on my way to the hospital are stacked of people. So like, they're all still going somewhere. I don't know where they're going, but they're going somewhere. And social distancing just doesn't happen up there. And I think down here, people were actually listening and staying home. And I think they did a good job. Um, I know it is absolutely horrible for the small businesses and everything, but the bosses listened. They didn't make their workers come to work and stuff like that. So I think that played a huge impact on us not seeing the numbers down here that they're seeing up there. So Mia, how long have you been a nurse? Um, so actually, what's today? Um, three in three days on the 18th will be my it will be three years since graduation and i started um <laughs> thanks july 10th is when i started um at virtual Vorties. so that will be my three years um as an emergency room nurse so what brought you to nursing um, it was a little bit of a long road um but i first went to college right after high school uh, i went to william patterson university and I became an athletic trainer. And uh, it just wasn't for me. It was something that I just thought that I was gonna love and just not how it worked out. So I went through multiple, multiple careers. <laughs> uh, after that, I became an EMT. I did that for a few years. And then I became a medical assistant. Did that for quite a few years. And then we've all had those days where like we have a horrible day at work and we apply for jobs that like we grasp at anything that maybe I qualify for. And I somehow became a teacher of medical assistants. And so uh, that was an amazing opportunity. I absolutely loved it. I did that. Um, I taught though down in West Atlantic city. So it was a little bit of a commute, but um I did it for a little over three years. And unfortunately my mom then got diagnosed with dementia back home and uh, that became my priority. So then uh, I decided I needed something closer to home, which was Medford. And so I started working as a critical care tech at Cooper Hospital. Um, I did that and I was like, all right, I gotta figure something out that's gonna be a career. Not that medical assistant, Tech is not a career. However, I wanted something a little bit more. So I uh, found out that Rutgers and Camden, they're like the only school in New Jersey that doesn't make you retake your sciences if they're longer than 10 years. And so I was like, perfect. I'll apply to Rutgers. If I don't get in, I don't get in. But if it's meant to be, I'll get in. So let's give it a shot. You were probably the so, most experienced mm -hmm. applicant out of everybody. Yeah. But did you know I didn't get in? So I really? actually got put on the wait list. Yep. Um, so I didn't get in my first uh, application. I got put on the wait list, but uh, I did end up getting to start um, that semester. Somebody didn't take their spot. So I actually got in and I did the um, accelerated BSN program. And it was a lot of hard work. What does BSN stand for? Uh, Bachelor of Science of Nursing. Right on. Um, and so uh, it was 15 months of pure chaos and tears shed almost every day, <laughs> but it was worth it in the end and one of the best decisions I've ever made. 
So, so, you, so you bounced around a little bit, but it was all in medicine. What, what's drawn yeah. you to medicine the entire time? Um, I think probably just my love for helping people. Um, I like to have an impact on other people's lives. I like to be able to touch people's lives. And I think the medical and then the teaching on top of it just showed me that like, that's what I was meant to do. Like I was meant to have an impact on people's lives somehow. And um, nursing, I think it's phenomenal what we do. Um, I don't think we're heroes. I think it's the job that we have the passion for. And that's just, that's what we were meant to do. And How not do you everyone feel? as a nurse was, is good at it, but they learn it. And uh, so, just, so as a nurse and as somebody who's on the quote unquote front lines, how do you feel about all this new love and appreciation and, and all these companies putting ads out saying, thank you, our frontline heroes. Like, what's your response to that? Um, I mean, I appreciate it. I'm not going to lie. Um, I actually haven't taken advantage of anything, I don't think. Um, I've tried a couple days for like the free Crocs, um, but I haven't <laughs> done like the North Face. I, I really, I, I, I didn't even get a free Happy Meal at McDonald's just because, but yeah, I haven't taken advantage of any of it, honestly. Um, so tell us, uh, like, what is it that you do in your day-to-day -day as a nurse uh, right now, as an ER nurse specifically? Uh, so it's completely changed. In the last eight weeks, uh, it went from I wore my scrubs every day to work, and I would see my patients. We'd see a lot of abdominal pains, cardiac, the crisis patients, whatever we needed, and it drastically changed. Now, um, well, eight weeks ago when it first started, all we wore was just a surgical mask, which is like what people are wearing around town and stuff like that. Um, actually, truthfully, we were told originally that we couldn't even wear a surgical mask at all times because it terrorized the patients. And what, what, what does that mean? Yes, so we were not allowed, we were told you cannot wear a mask at all times. Um, you could wear one when you enter the room if you needed to or wanted to. But when you were at the desk, when you were in the hallway, it was not to be worn. And huh. as, this, as this lovely pandemic rolled along, it changed drastically where um, we started. Originally, it was um, every respiratory patient you would put an N95 on to enter the room. Then it was um, every patient wearing an N95 when you enter the room. Then it was, you're now wearing an N95 for 12 hours straight. Even when you're sitting at the desk, you're wearing an N95. Um, it has now, as of yesterday, uh, we are to wear our N95, our gown, our gloves, and eyewear, which I've been wearing forever since it all started basically anyways but now they're mandating that all nurses um whenever you enter any patient's room respiratory not respiratory uh you're wearing eye gear goggles or a face shield um and i i just i find it amazing how drastically everything has changed i myself not gonna lie, I wear the same, well, I don't wear scrubs anymore. I wear a uh, pair of scrub pants and I wear a different t-shirt every day that has positive messages on them. 
Hmm. Um, because I believe positivity goes a long way. Um, but I don't change at work. I don't wipe down my car. I don't put plastic over my car. I come home to house by myself with my cats. So I don't, I don't take the precautions that people with family and kids and all that do. But a lot of nurses are, they wear clothes in, they put their scrubs on, they change at the end of shift and then go home in regular clothes. Cause I mean, our scrubs are obviously covered in it. <laughs> yeah. So when I grocery shop, you know, which takes like 10, 15 minutes, I get really tired of wearing my mask cause it's just, it's just annoying. I feel like I'm suffocating slowly. Uh, what is it like to do it for 12 hours? along with all the other gear. It's horrible. <laughs> um, at the age of 38, I started getting pimples again, uh, mm. which was not fun, because like you are just literally sitting in your own sweat mm. in your face. So all the sebaceous stuff. Fun. Yep, yep, not fun. And um, it's, it is, it's hard to breathe. Like during codes, and during intense situations like intubation, something like that, we're wearing these plastic gowns every room we go in, which make you sweat. And so like when you're, you can be in there for a good 45 minutes, hour at a time. And I mean, you're dripping wet. One day, I can't remember if it was a code or an intubation, but when I got out of the room, my watch thought that I have an Apple watch. It thought that I was swimming. Like, because <laughs> there was so much sweat surrounding it. Like, there was literally just sweat just in my, like, wrist. It was so gross. <laughs> what did your uh, T-shirt say yesterday? Uh, so, yesterday I was in Newark, so I wear scrubs when I'm in Newark. Oh, yeah, I got you, got you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, the day before, um, uh, my last shirt of Vortis was, you are stronger than you think. Nice. Yeah. So, are any of these uh, handmade or are they all uh, store-bought? Yeah, no. Um, I bought them all on walmart.com or Zulily. One of my favorite ones is spread kindness, not germs. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, how yeah. relevant. Yeah, I have one that says, um, you may see me struggle, but you'll never see me quit. Like, And I have a lot to say, like, let's do this. You got this. And uh, it's become a thing at work. Like, People will be like, all right, Mia, what's your shirt say today? And so that's wow. cool. Yeah, I love it. I uh, I think that during this trying time, it's become obviously a very high stressed time. Even in Voorhees, where we're not seeing nearly what we're seeing in Newark, people are still very highly stressed, very on edge. And so, like, you can say one little thing to them, and it just sets them off. And I mean, I understand everyone is under more stress. And so a little bit of positivity can go a long way. And I think that um, coming together as a team has shown even more now um, that we're going through all of this. Um, that my One of my favorite sayings is teamwork makes the dream work. And we couldn't be doing this right now without the teamwork because once you're in one of those rooms, you're stuck in there. Like, if you get in your room and you're like, oh, shoot a rabbit, I don't have this. You got to hope that your buddy's outside the door. If your buddy's not outside the door, then you have to wait for someone else to walk by the door. And so it does get a little bit, sometimes you're like, so is coming? Is anyone coming? <laughs> what is this getting locked in rooms? Is that because it's tr they're trying to contain the patient? Yeah. So um, at Virtual Voorhees, 
Um, we're fortunate. Every single ER um, room in our main has doors. So every door at all times has to be closed now. Um, because one of the hardest things about COVID is that it causes so many different signs and symptoms. Like when we first started, we were all like, oh, just respiratory or just like this. But now it's nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, anyone with a fever, anyone with shortness of breath, anyone with a cough. So basically everyone is on quarantine and you're presumed positive until proven otherwise. And it's like so, when you uh, it's like when you go on WebMD and you say like, oh, I have a headache or my stomach hurts. And then it's like, you have cancer. Instead, it's correct. now it's like you have COVID probably. Okay. Yep. Oh, and I can't tell you how many people come in and they're like, so what brings you today? Oh, I got the symptoms. Oh, well, what symptoms would that be? You know, the symptoms that they said on TV. Okay, well, what symptoms are you having? All of them. Of course <laughs> you are. Ma'am, are you just here for a test? Yeah, yeah, I need a test. <laughs> like... <laughs> It's literally, we see it nonstop. <laughs> Do you have all the test kits you need? Oh, yeah. Um, both places, um, we've never run out of tests or anything like that. And there's now there's different tests, um, especially up in Newark. They have like a rapid test um, that, well, I wouldn't call it rapid, but quicker than normal. Um, it comes back in like two hours. So... Um, that's nice. So that way when they're in the ER, we collect it as soon as they get there. Because most of ER patients, you're down there for at least two hours before you would go up to a room anyways. So it's done before. When this all first started, like Voorhees, when we first got our test, they were taking seven to 10 business days to come back. Wow. Yeah. And so when you discharge anyone that was tested anyways, they were technically on 14 day quarantine. However, like I wouldn't want to have been that patient waiting um, 10 days to get a result. Mm. Like, so now it's definitely um, changed. I think even of worries now, um, the one for the patients that are being discharged is like two days. The one in the hospital, like if you're being admitted, it does seem to um, just take a couple hours or so. Cool. So. so when people come into the ER for not COVID related things, well, first of all, I mean like car accidents, like is that happening? And when that happens, do you still swab for COVID? So um, we have at Virtual Voorhees, we have um, like a separate unit. Um, so in our main ED is where anyone that has any COVID possibility would go. Um, and then in our, what used to be our fast track area, that is where like a motor vehicle accident, as long as they don't have nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, fever, cough, shortness of breath, then they would go there. So they're separated from the plague. Like it's ridiculous, but, um, but a lot less of those people are coming in, mm -hmm. but I mean, people still have kidney stones, people still get inf infections. So we're still treating all of them. Up in Newark, when I first started, um, there was no separating. It was everywhere. I mean, and up in Newark also, we don't have doors on our rooms. So it's just like the bay style rooms that have the curtains around mm. them. And so, I mean, you try your best to get your COVID positive intubated uh, patients in the couple rooms that are negative pressure with doors, but up there you couldn't, there was, there's no way to, you don't have enough room for all of them.
what is um, um into what is intubating and is it covid positive like people that just test positive or people that literally can't breathe so covid positive is anyone who tests positive for covid and intubation is when we put a breathing tube um down your throat to an artificial airway and mm. then you're up to a ventilator which is then breathing for you so mia if i came into Voorhees as a patient I have a broken arm, or I suspect I have a broken arm, but I also have diarrhea. Wh which way am I going? Uh, if I'm in triage, you're going to mean because I'm not taking the chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as soon as you said diarrhea, it's like, no thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Wow. So this, this positivity theme, you know, the shirts that you wear, and, and you said that it's like an important thing in your life. That, I'm assuming that goes back before all this COVID business. Um, tell us about like how positivity, positivity has been uh, something important in your life. Um, so I just think positivity um, goes a long way. One thing that um, I've learned in my multiple jobs is you don't usually get that positivity from your uh, manager, from your boss. And so I feel like the staff, you have to be the ones that give the positivity. Once in a blue moon, yes, you'll get the positivity, but from higher ups, but it's not a frequent daily thing. So if we can help each other by being positive amongst each other and saying like, hey, thank you so much for helping me the other day. I was drowning and you came over and you helped. Like it's greatly appreciated. Like literally a simple thank you goes a long way. And you don't always hear that, especially in an emergency department. Uh, we're kind of savage, I guess you could say. And so, uh, <laughs> what do you mean by that? Uh, they say ER nurses were a little rough around the edges, uh, that it takes a certain type of crazy to be an ER nurse. And I would probably have to agree. <laughs> where, like, I could never be a floor nurse. Nothing against them. I just, I don't have the... Um, the calm demeanor. I wouldn't be able to just pass out meds all day and just wait around. I like that quickness mm. that comes with the emergency room. So a floor nurse does a lot of passing out meds and, and, and like t talk more about the differences, but no, nah, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean I to put know, words in your mouth, know, but like, no, it's all right. I'm not going to, so I can't say exactly. I know what they do because I've never been one. Um, but in my eyes, like they have, um, sometimes four or five patients a day and they can have those same four or five patients for their entire 12 hours. And so me, I normally, when we're busy, I'll have like 10, 15 patients a day, depending on what area of the ED I'm in. And mm. it's that quick turnover. You're either, you're getting worked up, you're either going home or going upstairs. It's, you don't hang, well, during flu season, sometimes we have holds, but and in Newark right now, we have holds just because we're so busy. But normally, like, I'm not giving patients their daily meds. I'm giving them meds that they need in the emergency room to make them feel better now. And I'm not giving just normal old, like, daily meds. And so what, what other kind of, um, what other things are your duties? Like, there's, there's, so there's intubating, there's giving people meds. Like, what else do you, uh, on a day-to-day? So, -day? Every patient, that, so when a patient first comes into your room, you do a full triage, which is like you get the information on why they're here today, their past medical history, surgical history, social history, all of that. And then 98% of all ER patients get an IV. So you got to drop a line, uh, get all their blood work, everything like that. Um, 
one thing that changed a lot also during this um, was that we would almost hang fluids on everyone. Um, in my mind, fluids cure all, makes everyone feel better. Um, but with COVID, they found that fluids were doing more harm than good. And so like, I myself, like I wouldn't hang fluids on anyone at first without the doctor going in and telling me to do it because I didn't want to cause any more harm than good. Um, wow. So it's really like flipping things on their head. Yeah. Yep. And, um, and then after you drop your line, you wait for the doc to see them and then you would medicate them, wait for them to get any like radiology studies that they have to get. And depending on that, they go home and they go upstairs and it's next. <laughs> gotcha. So you've been, been going to Newark for uh, how long? Six weeks or so longer? Um, I don't even know, honestly. I think four weeks, maybe now, four okay. or five. Have uh, you had a, uh, any issues with running out of beds in Newark? Oh, yeah. So um, when I first got up there, um, we had holds every day in the ED. Like our ICU intubated patients were in the ED for a day, two days at a time. Um, even yesterday, we had... Um, some patients that were holding uh, in the ED. And it's just, I think it's not that um, we're running out of beds, it's we're running out of staff. Like uh -oh. even at Virtua Voorhees, because our census dropped so low, they shut down floors. Wow. Like, yeah, they, they just shut them down. And so as our need increased, they would bring back the nurses and open the floors. But like, um, at Voorhees, our ICU was like one floor, our PCU was one floor. It got to the point where ICU had to take over the PCU and the PCU, PCU moved to like a whole other floor. In Newark, they have, I mean, they have so, their hospital's humongous. <laughs> so wait, a, a, a PCU is a, a preventative care unit? Progressive. Ah. You were so close. I know. I it did start I, with a P. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Paul. <laughs> Um, but even in Newark, like one day, I know, um, I went to a call report and the nurse was like, I really, I can't take another one. There's two of us on this floor. And they had like 10 patients each. Like that's it's just too it. much. Yeah. So when you talk about a day or two hold, typically there wouldn't be any hold or very short yeah. hold. Right. Correct. Yeah. And so a day or two, did, did you get to a point where you couldn't see people right away? You couldn't triage them right away? Oh yeah. I mean, there's days where there's, well, everyone should be triaged right away. If you come in, um, the triage nurse is in the lobby. And uh, I mean, not like immediately, because if there's a line, there's a line, but um, everyone gets a triage when they first come in. And then that's how, it's the job of the triage nurse to decide who needs to come right back, where they need to go and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, in Newark, there was one day, I think, like, there was, like, a six-hour wait in the lobby. Oh, right? people were – you want to talk mm -hmm. about anxiety. Put oh, somebody yeah. in an ER line for six hours. Yeah, with yeah. everybody else that's all anxious, too. Right, yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, in um, Voorhees, uh, we've – not during the crisis, but previously, we've had six-hour waits at Voorhees, too, especially during, like, the normal flu season and stuff like that. What's, we, the, uh, what, what's the craziest thing you've seen in Newark the last four weeks? Um, I think just all the intubations, like, 
every, not everyone, but there's just so many intubated patients. And another thing is like when a patient's intubated, the vents, they're all different because um, I guess they got them um, because of the crisis, like people sent them all different types of vents. So like you go into your patient's room and you're like, respiratory, can you come just show me the vent real quick? <laughs> like um, for the first time ever, I had a patient that had an A-line, which is a line that goes right into their artery. And in Voorhees, they're not allowed in the emergency room. They can do them on the ICU, but they're not placed in the ER. So I had never touched one. And a couple of weeks ago, I am in a report and they're like, so 21 has an A-line. I'm like, a what? <laughs> and they're Whoa. like, an A-line. I'm like, yeah, okay, I've uh, never touched one. Um, so like, I made sure that was like the first room I went in. Not gonna lie, I struggled a little bit, but I called for help. I am a person I will never, ever hesitate to ask for help. Were and, you the uh, one administering the A-line? No, no, no. It was already, it was already in, thank God. Okay. But, so you were making sure that they were stable and... Right. Like, you use the A-line for, like, their medications and stuff like that. Oh. You can draw blood off. Right into their artery. Why? Yeah, well, I'm just saying right into their artery. That's, oh, like, intense. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> Is it, yeah, and, and why? Like, is it just because it's a more powerful blood vessel? So only certain meds can go through, like, an A-line. And also, when someone's that sick, um, so an A-line is going to measure their arterial pressure. And so, it's really important when someone's so sick to make sure that you're, they're maintaining their arterial pressure. Because when people are sedated, their pressures can drop. And so, you need to make sure that you maintain everything. Oh, Okay. <laughs> So that, that helps with like the beeping computer. And if it goes below a certain level, it goes like, ah. There you go. Perfect. That okay. is telemetry to a T. <laughs> yeah, I watch uh, CSI or what, what's the? Uh, CSI. What's, no, no, no. It's uh, CSI is where people have already been harmed. <laughs> yeah, they're dead already. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's, uh, what's that hospital drama I'm thinking of? Grey's she, Anatomy. Yeah, she said Oh, Anatomy. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't yeah. hear that. Yeah. My girlfriend loves that show. Hey, so Mia, Mia, positivity is awesome, and I think it's a great way to go through life, but you can't be perfectly positive all the time. Oh, no. We all still complain. And I, I, I have gained a new respect going to Newark. I say that I will never complain again at Voorhees. We are so spoiled in Voorhees. Uh, we're very fortunate uh, for working for Virtua um, and the accommodations that we have at Voorhees compared to what they see and deal with in um, Newark. Like something as simple as having IV carts in all of our rooms at Voorhees, where um, in Newark, I have to gather all of my supplies before I go into a room. And I won't lie, I'm struggling to remember every single little piece of the puzzle before I walk in a room. <laughs> Yeah, so, and, a, and a room there is, it's open bay, right? It's really just curtains. Correct, which is a lot easier because I can be like, hey, Melissa, can you grab me this? <laughs> and so it works a whole lot better. Like, I don't even have to move and they can, everyone can always hear me wherever I am, but yeah. <laughs> so mm -hmm. you, you do a 12-hour shift in Newark uh, and it sounds like it's nonstop. Yeah. Are, are you just exhausted by the end of those shifts? So I'm exhausted, yes. Uh, yesterday was day six of six. I did um, five days of Voorhees, and then I just had one day at Newark. 
And um, I'm not gonna lie, I slept almost all day today. <laughs> I bet. What keeps yeah. you going? What keeps you going mentally, emotionally, and physically? Um, I think mentally, what keeps me going is just the drive that I'm needed. I I need to be there, um, especially up in Newark. The staff there is so appreciative of um, myself and all the other travelers that have come to help. The army is there helping. Um, and the staff has been phenomenal. Like the, my first day I was, I walked into this place. And I was like, what did I get myself into? And up there I had a day and a half of orientation and I was on my own. So uh, they have been amazing with helping me learn things. Um, I learned there in one day things I'll never, ever get to um, experience ever. He's. And so um, I love that. Um, emotionally, I think, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I've been doing pretty good emotionally. Um, I have a bunch of coworkers and friends that have been like checking in on me, just saying, hey, like weekly check-in, how you feeling, how you doing? Uh, I was doing absolutely amazing emotionally until last Saturday when uh, my Jeep that I, brand new, 2020 Jeep Wrangler that I uh, did it, I had for 18 hours, 18 hours, a gentleman ran a red light and uh, smothered it. Oh, oh, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah, that was the straw that broke my back emotionally. <laughs> But I'm coming back from that. <laughs> wow. So I, I'm guessing that means that you have to, to ride the motorcycle all the way up to Newark for work now. Well, no, I have my other car too. Oh, so dang. It's a, it's a nice segue though. The, the, vi the vision of like a, of a nurse, I'm like envisioning you in scrubs, just burning it up the highway. Because there's no traffic either, really. Well, so the first couple of weeks, it was so nice. There was none. Today, I sat in traffic coming home from North Jersey. What? Yep. yep. But, but all businesses aren't open in Newark, right? Um, there's a lot that are open. Like when I'm driving to and from work, like a lot of like, I think they call them bodegas or whatever they're called. Yeah. yeah. Yep. They're all open. Um, like all the food places are open. Two weeks ago, I don't know if you remember, like we had a Sunday that was like really, really nice out. I was driving home from work. There were block parties on almost every street that I drove down. And I'm like, and there's my patient that we see next week. <laughs> and I'll see him next week. And that also increased our traumas that were coming in. Because um, people were just out in the street, right back to pretending it was a normal life. And that's what worries me, uh, especially right now, like, me personally, I'm a beach person. So yes, I will be at the beach tomorrow, but I won't be sitting on top of anyone like, mm. you know, and um, I don't think that the beach itself opening is a bad idea. The boardwalk, I don't think should be open. Um, I get a little um, on a soapbox when people say that everything needs to reopen for these, these poor um, small business owners, these poor people that are out on unemployment. Listen, my heart breaks for you that you're not working. Trust me, I would be bored out of my mind if I wasn't working. However, you're making $600 a week extra that you weren't making before to sit at home and staying safe. That's the most important thing. You're safe. Like, stay safe. 
for as long as you can. Like, so I feel like them opening things, we're going to see another surge come right on through. Yeah, so th- these block parties that you saw a couple of Sundays ago, is the, is the word not getting out? Are the people just not taking uh, the messaging seriously? I mean, wh- what's causing that many I people? I literally, I don't think they care. Like, it blew my mind when, like, and, like, the next day, I was like, did anyone else drive by these, like, blog parties? And they're like, oh, that's, like, every every weekend up here. I'm like, during the COVID? Like, like, come on. And they're like, well, they don't really listen to, like, what we have to say. I'm like, obviously. Like, it was insane, the amount of people that were just on the streets. Like, speakers, DJs. I'm like... All right. So social distancing wow. is not a thing in North Jersey. So how do you think this is going to play out? Because, um, you know, you were saying, you know, stay home and stay safe for as long as you can. Uh, what is the the end, do you think, going to be? Sorry, my cat is trying to visit me. Oh, hello. <laughs> this is Cam Mutin. <laughs> um, so... That's good. Cam Mutin. That's Cam Mutin. All right. That's his butt. Sorry. Um, <laughs> did you say when do I think this is going to end? Yeah, I guess just like how, because you know we all heard the flatten the curve story. You know, right. stay home, flatten the curve, so we don't overload the hospital system. Yeah. Uh, when will the curve be done? I guess you know. So I personally, this is, and this is certainly like I'm not a scientist by any means. I don't claim to be. So I think that during the summer months our curve might like remain the same. I actually think we're going to see an influx. Like after things open, I think we'll see an influx like two to three weeks after that. And then we might like go back down a little bit for the summer. But I think that when flu season comes, we're going to not only see the flu, we're going to see COVID come back around also. Um, And do you think it's going to be like with us, you know, year after year? I don't know about year after year. I mean, I hope that it will be done in 2020. That might mm-hmm. be wishful thinking. But, yeah, no. It's going to go into 2021 now that I'm thinking about it because of flu season. But um, I think life will get back to normal at some point, but I don't think it needs to get back to normal anytime soon. And my my heart goes out mostly to the parents that are homeschooling their children. I couldn't imagine to have to do that. <laughs> yeah, uh, let, let's just say I, I uh, work yeah. from home most days and my wife is doing three times as much as I'm doing because we have three kids and yeah. they're all being homeschooled now. Yeah. And she's a teacher, right? Yeah, but she's uh, an aide, so. Oh, okay. But my wife is from uh, North Jersey. Oh, okay. And you're, you're right. They are stacked on top of each other up there. They are. Yeah. I had a patient the other day. Um, 11 family members live in a two bedroom apartment. Like that's just, uh, it's sad. It breaks my heart up there. And it's funny. Uh, I've been told multiple times there, uh, a lot of people question like, you're not from around here, are you? And I'm like, well, I'm from New Jersey. They're like, yeah, but you're not from up here. I'm like, no. And they're like, you're just so nice. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, they expect, everyone. they expect Jerseyites to be, uh, I guess. not nice. Yeah, like, like yesterday I had this poor little old man that thanked me probably a hundred times, and he's like, "It's just so nice to have someone that's so pleasant." Like, 
and wanting to help and like you came from your home to come up here to help us like wow well it's the it's the smallest thing i could do um well it seems like the positivity is certainly shining through because even as you said you know er nurses are rough around the edges so you got the double whammy of being from new jersey and being an er nurse and you're still (laughs) making a good impression that's good yeah um so this motorcycle business uh and i'm sure you've been asked this many times in your life so you have worked in the medical profession uh for a while now so you i'm sure are no stranger to the risks of riding a motorcycle so why do you do it yep so i've been riding um probably around 13 years now um i uh i used to ride with an ex-boyfriend and when we broke up i was like oh man like i miss riding like so I went to Barb's Harley Davidson, uh, bought a bike. I didn't know how to ride it though. So I had to call my friend uh, to come pick it up for me. And uh, he rode my bike home. And uh, for the first, I would say first good three months, I uh, didn't leave the, the court. I would literally ride out of the garage, around the circle of the court, around the circle of the court. <laughs> like uh, I did take rider's edge at Barb's. Uh, to learn how to ride, um, and I absolutely love it. It is one of the best feelings in the world. It is just freedom. It's a great stress reliever, and um, I mean, when I was an EMT, I picked up a man's arm that was uh, probably 50 feet away from him uh, after a motorcycle accident, so I've seen what it can do. Um, I've gone down myself. Um, I was fortunate enough to uh, barely be injured, but um, it's a risk you take. I'm a big believer in uh, when God's ready for me, he'll take me. And it can be when I'm on my bike, when I'm crossing the street, when I'm sleeping, whenever's my time, it's my time. And so, but I feel like I'm here for a little bit. I think he still needs me. So, it's I think funny. Every, every time I talk to people that don't ride motorcycles, I'm like, I agree. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know why somebody would risk their life like that needlessly. And then every time I talk to somebody who does ride a motorcycle, I get really inspired. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, why not live? And, and it seems like the experience of it is so uh, like incredible. I mean, one person told me that it's like flying, but on the ground. And- it is. I mean, you can open up, especially down here. Uh, we're fortunate to have uh, so many like back roads and stuff like around here. I mean, you can open up on a back road and, you are flying and it's just you and two wheels in that pavement. And it's just an amazing feeling. What, and what just kind of like, you have? Uh, I have a Harley. It's called a street Bob. It's a Dyna. Uh, it's a pretty nice bike. I'm a, but, I'm a little jealous. I had a motorcycle when I uh, was a lot younger and it was a dual purpose on road, off road, Yamaha 600. It's, it's nothing like a Harley. So before I yeah. die, I will have a Harley. There you go. It's, it's worth the investment. It is, um, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And the friends that I have made um, riding have been great. It's, it's a whole community on, on its own, uh, riding motorcycles. So I love it. <laughs> so you and other travelers, as you call them, are going from places that are not as hot as Newark to, and, and you decided to go to a hot spot. Right. Uh, that's like firefighters running into a fire. That's like military guys running towards the sound of bullets. What, right. What, what about you makes you uh, that way? Um, 
I think that just that I wanted to help more. Not that um, being an emergency room nurse in Voorhees wasn't um, helping. I just, we're in this pandemic. Virtual Voorhees, we were fortunate enough not to be seeing the COVID, um, a ton of COVID patients. And an hour and a half away, they were getting bombarded. So I think just me wanting to help, me wanting to get involved. This is a once in a lifetime experience. Um, and not that every, not that not every nurse is helping um, with the pandemic. I wanted to help more. I wanted to be able to say like, I did this. I took on COVID. Uh, up in Newark, we have um, uh, head coverings that say COVID warrior. And uh, that's what we're doing. I mean, we're every day we're we're intubating. Every day we're trying to save that life. And uh, up in Newark, it when not necessarily right now, but when I first got up there, it was hard. All the death um, at Virtual Voorhees. I would say maybe once every two weeks, if that. Um, I'll experience a death of the death of a patient um, up there in my one shift. We lost five in my twelve hours. Wow! Like, and that was that was just in my area. So I don't even know what was happening over in trauma. What was happening in the other uh, parts, but just in my area, in my twenty-one bed area, we lost five patients. Um, does it take we, a Does it take a personal toll on you when people come in and you don't know them? but when they die on you? Um, if you say it doesn't, you're lying. Like, um, it hurts no matter how long you've known them for. If you've known them for, you were pounding on their chest for 15 minutes, it still hurts. Um, mm. Still to this day, when I perform CPR and stuff, I still am praying while I'm doing it. Um, it, it takes an emotional toll, totally. Like, mm. why? Unfortunately, it's part of the job. You you leave the room and you have to go right back in to help your next patient. So, gosh, man, that's incredible. I don't yeah. know how I can do then that. Then you go home and cry, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you have to uh, you have to be able to put your big girl panties on and move on to the next one, which uh, is rough. Like that day, we lost a 22 year old, and it was just like COVID related. Um, yeah, she had comorbidities, um, and wasn't well in general, um, but COVID, yeah, I mean, it's, it's terrible what it's doing to these people, the nursing homes, um, and everything. I mean, those, the staff of those nursing homes, my heart goes out to them. I mean, they're the ones that are dealing with, so these clients, these patients, they live there full time. They know all these clients and they're dying so quickly. And so um, my heart goes out to all the LPNs, the CNAs, all of them that are working at nursing homes right now because they're, they're experiencing death at a whole new level. Um, my mom um, with the dementia now, she has Parkinson's. She lives in an assisted living. God forbid I call it a nursing home. <laughs> she lives in an assisted living. And uh, this week, the governor mandated that every um, uh, every resident uh, got tested. So 
It has been quite a week with my mother and her anxiety for this test. And in the state of New Jersey, if you test positive, you have to leave the facility. There are um, um, specific like rehabs that became COVID units. Um, and if you lived in an assisted living and you have a positive test, you now have to leave your assisted living and go to the other place. So it was very, very stressful, but thank the Lord, my mother tested uh, negative. So she is um, living at her assisted living still with Bella, the Yorkie Poo. And that was our biggest concern was what were we going to do with Bella if mother had to leave? <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and you with all the cats, right? I only have two. I'm not a crazy cat lady. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So back to comorbidities. Uh, and it's awful that you're around this much death uh, on some days. Are patients dying solely from COVID uh, in their 20s, 30s, or is that limited to folks that are considered elderly? So I personally have seen the younger deaths be if they had other comorbidities. Um, but I mean, suppose there's patients out there that are young without comorbidities that are dying from COVID also. The problem with COVID is what it does to your lungs. So um, your lungs basically, I don't know if you've ever seen like a chest x-ray. So if you've seen like a normal chest x-ray, there's a lot of like black on it. And then if you have pneumonia, there's like white like patches and stuff like that. What we're seeing with COVID is by the time that it's like advanced, their chest x-ray is basically like whited out. Like wow. I had a patient yesterday where um, he's actually an EMT, he's a first responder and uh, COVID positive. And I mean, his chest x-ray, it, it just looked terrible. What does the white mean? Uh, white is consolidation. So, you know, your lungs are hollow because they fill up with air. So this is all consolidation. Like someone described COVID basically as like cement laying in your lungs. And that's basically what it is. It's all like sediment that's like attacking your lungs where they can no longer expand for the air to go in. Oh, yeah, and so, so then you just can't breathe. Can't breathe. Yeah. And so, yeah, if you have other comorbidities, you're, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Amazing. More people are dying actually. That's basically brutal. That it is. It is. Yep. So you, uh, you said uh, as part of your headgear, you, uh, have COVID warrior. I think that's the title of this episode yeah. on our podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so yeah. as a COVID warrior, is there anything that you want to change that you ne don't necessarily have in your control about your work environment, the day to day, how everything is going? Um, no, I, I, I think honestly, everyone's doing the best they can. Um, I think one of the hardest things throughout these last eight weeks has been the constant change. So like just the example I gave about the mask, like literally one second we were doing this, 15 seconds later we were doing this. Um, like being at Voorhees full-time, like I know more about like that, um, is just getting the information out there. Like our management is getting um, the message from like up here and they're trying their hardest to trickle it down to us. Um, but it's impossible. At Virtual Warriors, we have like 126 of us, I think, um, staff-wise. So um, they've done everything from send emails to we have a COVID board in the back break room. Um, they'll come around throughout the day and try to meet with us. 
we have a new educator that literally just came on, I think like the week before COVID uh, started. And she's been doing great every day. She's out on the floor trying to update us. We have COVID binders at every um, nurse's station that has the latest um, like updates with what's required, who's what, how the test is being run, like everything like that. Um, one of the hard things, any um, uh, blood, urine, COVID swab that is associated with anyone that's on quarantine has to be walked down to the farm or down to the lab. So normally, you know, like when you go to the um, bank in the drive-thru and you have that like tube system, like sucks it up and like sends it to the banker. Yeah. So that's what we use in the hospital to send um, usually like specimens to the lab. Uh, pharmacy sends us meds. But right now, anyone with COVID or presumed COVID, you have to physically walk everything. So at Virtua, the lab is downstairs. So um, it's... It, it can sometimes be a toll to one, find someone to take it down for you. Or two, if you're the safety agent of the day, you're running up and down those flight stairs. I, one day my watch told me I had 60 flights of stairs ran. And I was like, <laughs> like. So wait, why is it safer for a person to run everything up and down rather than having those magic tubes do it? Don't get me started. <laughs> Rules are rules. <laughs> so, so I mean, if you had uh, a microphone and you could reach half of America, 75% of America, what are you telling the, the, 20, the 18 year olds to say 65 year olds? And what are you telling folks that are maybe 65 and beyond? Um, to the young kids, um, don't think you're invincible because you're not. No one is invincible. Um, Everyone, no matter what the age, you need to stay home. I know it stinks. Uh, I'm extremely grateful that I have a job that I go to five, six, seven, sometimes days a week. Um, but you need to stay home because this is not ending. And if you start to go out, you start to hang out with your friends again, you're, you're going to see the impact. Um, just because the curve is flattening does not mean it's going to stay flat and so uh please stay home to the elderly uh just please take care of yourself it's i feel like when you're older it's sad because you lose a lot of friends unfortunately as you get older um and they're losing a whole lot more right now um my mom's assisted living i think has had like I don't know, maybe like 15 deaths over the last four weeks. Mm. And so, um, that kind of thing. But I just wish that people will would take this seriously. And I feel like most people aren't taking it seriously until it affects them. Until right. they know someone that is COVID positive. Like if I could go back in Facebook time and screenshot someone from eight weeks ago that was like this is bullshit. like i'm not staying home da, da, da. and then three weeks later here they are oh my god my aunt died like i'm sorry that your aunt died but three weeks ago you were saying this was all bull honky like just take it seriously people yes like it affects everyone like mm -hmm. and so i just i, I feel like 
I don't know. I feel like we're going to open up and it's going to, the curve's going to come right back up. Yeah. Th there's like a, you can say that it's all a bunch of BS early on when people still didn't know the data and you might, you might've been right. Um, and like, good for you, but it just makes a lot more sense to be, take the more precautious route. And you might end up looking like an idiot if it's actually not a real problem, but you're still healthy, but you're alive. alive. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, um, one of my biggest pet peeves too, if I could just get it out to everyone, please stop wearing gloves everywhere. <laughs> it is so dirty. Uh, it's actually worse, right? Yes. Wait, what? Like, Why? Oh, yes. This is good. This is perfect. It's cross-contamination. So, like, all right. So, people that, like, wear their gloves into the grocery store, okay? So, first of all, you're touching your cart, which, if you didn't clean it off, is tons of germs. Then, you're going to touch a box on the shelf. Say you don't like that box, so you choose another box. All the germs from your cart are now in that one box that you just touched. Like, it's and gloves just keep... Uh, all the germs are literally just on the gloves. So if you, your skin is your best defense against any germs, along with soap and water, especially soap and water for COVID, because COVID, so the virus itself has actually a layer of lipids on the outside. And so soap, any soap will break that lipid down. Um, hand sanitizer obviously also helps. And like my biggest pet peeve is people that are hand sanitizing their gloves. Like, just don't wear gloves, please. Please don't wear gloves. Okay, so hand sanitizing the gloves doesn't exactly or help know, too much. Yeah. Okay. Are you wear gloves and hand sanitizing? <laughs> he, he's not, but he may know somebody that wears gloves. I might know somebody <laughs> that did at one point. I don't think she does anymore. But yeah. so the 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 name of the game then is just let your skin be your best line of defense and wash your hands, preferably with soap and water. Yeah often and don't touch your yes. face is that also okay yes and so it's do you... funny because uh wearing a mask and everything you're like you have to like touch your face so you want to make sure that um like when you're out you're washing your hands before you go take your mask off discard your mask in a trash can not on the floor not in the supermarket parking lot in a trash can and then you need to wash your hands again and if you have a mask that is reusable, what do you do? Oh, these cloth masks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Tell us how you really feel. Oh, oh man. I'm, I'm just saying, I know that they're the only option for some people, but I would like to know how often are you washing this said cloth mask? <laughs> I, heard, I heard more Jersey out of Mia on that one than, <laughs> than we heard so far. <laughs> So how often would be a good cadence to daily, wash? Daily. Okay. <laughs> Unless you're spraying it down with Lysol or something. Like, like you can spray it down with Lysol, wipe it down with Lysol, something like that. That's fine. But yeah, wearing like the same mask for an entire month kind of defeats the purpose. What if you put it in boiling water for two minutes? Well, heat does kill COVID. So oh, I don't we, know. Does... But like the temperature has to be like greater than like 130 or something like that. So I'm not sure the boiling point of water, but I don't think it's that. Okay. Yeah. Like I'm just getting, you know. You just want to get the deets. Yeah. In case there are creative people out there, you know, there, you really, there's no way around straight up washing it 
Uh, do you want like either by hand or in the washing machine? Um, I would think in the washing machine with detergent. Like I use the Lysol um, additive right now for all of my stuff. Mm. In the yeah, but any soap technically because it can break down that lipid pan that lipid surrounding lipid membrane. Yeah, is it yes. because it's uh? I remember uh, is it lipophilic? Is that the word? Or Sounds lipophobic? Right. Hydrophilic? I'm trying to. He's a big word guy. He loves yeah. Going big yeah, I mean, I'm a simple person. <laughs> okay. I, I learned in college my first time the kiss principle: keep it simple, stupid. Yes, I and love I that. Principle. Still live to that. <laughs> I think that helps people operate the world pretty well. So yes. on the uh, when, when people start to come out because it makes sense to come out, whether that's two months from now, eight months from now. Uh, do you worry about people's immune systems being uh, weakened so much that they actually have uh, more problems than they would have otherwise? So I think that, and I don't like to say this, but I'm worried about our children because our children, I think, um, get a lot of their immunity by going to school, by going to daycare, and these children are missing that exposure. So they're being exposed just to their family members, which, yeah, you're still going to be exposed to germs, but not nearly as many as you are in a social situation. And so, yes, I think that, um, and also with the elderly, I think our children and our elderly are going to have a rough flu season from uh, not mm. being exposed for all these months. So uh, your guess is that COVID will uh, be fairly prevalent through the summer as well? Yes, I think so. Like, yeah. and I also think that once you give, uh, what's that saying? You give people an inch, they're going to take a mile. Like, I was so pissed off. I saw on the news, uh, was it last Sunday was Mother's Day? I think yeah. uh, one of the boardwalks was on the news. It was packed and no one was wearing a freaking mask. Like, <laughs> Jesus, people. Like, mm. wear, I don't care if it gives you a bad tan line. Wear sunscreen and wear your mask and you'll be fine. What do you think about the idea? And I, okay. What do you think about the idea that uh, like young people up to a certain age can go out and do the jobs and open their businesses and run around free mask or no mask, but everybody who is either comorbid or at risk and old should just stay home. How do you feel about that? I think it's dumb. Okay. <laughs> it makes no sense because yeah, no, just because you're, young and you don't have comorbidities does not make you invincible okay yes all right so do you want to ask the standard question that we ask sure yeah let's move to the uh i, I don't know what she's gonna say should we call this. i feel like we should call this like the the uh something corner or like the <laughs> welcome to the we'll, we'll, we'll play with that off mic okay cool so we like to ask a question uh of all our guests mia and if you've listened to an episode already then you know what's coming if you don't no problem it is. It's not a hard question. It's as follow, okay, yeah. yeah. It, it reveals a little bit about you. Yeah, we've already asked you harder questions than this for sure. So, um, let's say that you are a, like a younger twenty-five-year-old, and uh, you don't have any responsibilities, and you only have two choices as far as what you're going to do uh, with your with your life for the next little while. One option is that you join the military and serve, and the other option is that you try to become a stand-up comedian. I joined the military in a heartbeat. <laughs> she was an EMT, man. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I actually um, tried to join the military um, 
years back, but uh, I have ADHD and uh, according to the military, you're not fit to serve if uh, you have ADHD and are on medication for it. Oh so, man. It's, yeah. uh, it's usually a timing thing, Mia. It depends yeah. on how, how badly they need folks. Yeah, right. Now they'd probably take me in a heartbeat, but <laughs> now I'm too old for it. <laughs> and, and would you have gone like, even, I don't know how, how much you knew about what you wanted to do back then, but would you have tried to go down and be like a medic or be one of the supporting roles? Yeah, I probably would have. So um, my father was in the Navy, so I probably would have been, um, went into the Navy and did Navy corpsman which is the um, medical support for actually the Marines. Yep. Right yep. on. So. Very cool. Hey, so uh, tell us a little bit about what you were like when you were uh, a kid, like middle school, high school. Um, I was an athlete growing up, never a top athlete, but um, I liked having fun. I played soccer since the age of five, I think. Um, and then I picked up uh, basketball and lacrosse later. And um, I was definitely a, social person growing up um fun fact about me i didn't talk till i was six and so uh once i learned to finally talk um i don't shut up uh, you're just making up for lost time right exactly my mom said i made up for it though by the age of eight but <laughs> i just keep going uh yeah i uh, used to have a silent chair that i'd have to sit in after 8 p.m uh, and i would just sit in it and talk to myself supposedly <laughs> So my mother says, I don't know, but um, I was, um, I was never like part of a clique or anything of the sort. I would always just be friendly to everyone and everything like that. So to this day, I mean, I have a group of um, a handful of close friends, but I have tons of acquaintances that I um, call friends and I keep in touch with and stuff like that. But uh Growing up, I think I was a spitfire, and I think now at the age of 38, I might even be more of a spitfire. <laughs> I like to think that um, I'm highly motivated. I, um, I'm not one to sit back and just settle. So mm. I have high hopes for the rest of my life, and uh, hopefully I get to do everything I want to do. <laughs> so how, how much longer do you think you're going to end up going up to Newark? Oh, so I actually took a permanent spot. Um, I decided to stay on after crisis. So I'll be working um, just one day a week once the crisis is done. Um, minimum, just one day a week. And uh, just because the amount that I learned there is just, I mean, it's phenomenal. It's, it's something I'll never get to experience. Um, when I first decided to become a nurse, um, one of the goals that I had down the road was to possibly become um, a flight nurse. And um, to become a flight nurse, you need a lot of critical care and ER experience. So I feel like Newark is like maybe a segue in that. Um, I love working at Virtual Voorhees. I don't plan on leaving Virtual Voorhees. However, I need to expand out. Um, so Newark is a great stepping stone. And then, uh, I'll possibly probably go across the bridge to like Penn or, or Temple, something like that to continue in my uh, trauma and critical care. Are, flight, are flight nurses uh, nurses on airplanes? Uh, helicopters. Ooh, oh, so when you get like airlifted. Yeah, like trauma nurses. Yep. That's like an EMT on steroids or a paramedic. I don't know. 
my medical terms were all messed up. No, there's paramedics on the choppers also. You're good. Okay. And, but the difference between an EMT and a paramedic, paramedic has like way more training, right? Technically, it's not that much more training, but um, paramedics can intubate, well, depending on the state that you're in, um, paramedics can intubate, uh, paramedics have more medications they can administer and uh, stuff like that. So, so where you're sitting right now, going from the, your home to the Newark hospital, how long does that take? Uh, right now, like an hour and 40 minutes. Uh, once everything opens back up, I see it taking probably two hours minimum. At a um, minimum. Yeah. I, I've driven in Jersey plenty of times at yeah. a minimum two hours. Yeah. Well, if you yeah. whip out the Harley and just drive down between the two lanes, you could probably I shave that do down. That. I don't do that. I do love my life and like <laughs> to see another day. Yeah, just because she rides a motorcycle doesn't mean she does really <laughs> dumb things on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if that's legal, splitting traffic like that. Some people end up in the uh, – technically in New Jersey it is. Technically oh. in New Jersey it is legal for um, a motorcycle. I, I don't know the exact terms, but yes. Definitely, like Gosh. just three years ago, they passed that. But you still have to wear a helmet in Jersey. Uh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Some states where you don't have to wear a helmet. I know I, in Pennsylvania you don't have to. Yeah, that's for your die, baby. But yeah, South but Carolina, again, Pennsylvania, Utah. Yeah. When it's your time, it's your time. If I'm wearing a helmet, if I'm not wearing a helmet, is it really going to make a difference? That's yeah. that's a great Who point. Knows? Yeah. Now, yeah, I guess if you're going 25, it might save your life. If you're going 55 right. or more, no, no mm. way. Yeah. Helmet break. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so uh, are you going to be an ER nurse until you retire, you think? Um, I honestly, I think I will be in emergency medicine for my entire career. I don't see myself. I, yeah, I don't see myself uh, ever. The only place I would ever go is maybe like an ICU or something like that. But um, I really don't see it happening. And uh I mean, maybe like when I'm 80 or something, maybe I won't be an learner. But because I started so late in life, I'm going to have to work till I'm 80. So just are, planning for the future. <laughs> are, uh, so it sounds like it's pretty active up in Jersey. A lot of businesses are open. Bodegas are open. Uh, are schools open up there? No. No, the governor shut down all of New Jersey schools for the rest of the school year. Do you think the, uh, kids are going back to school uh, in, in the fall? Uh, that's a tough one. Do I think they're going to? Yes. Do I think they're going to stay open? I don't know. Yeah. And then the idea of, uh, 80,000 people in a football stadium in the fall just sounds crazy to you, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I don't, I don't think they're going to do that, but I think they are going to try to put 15, 20,000 in an yeah, 80,000 like, person. I mean, I, I'm a sports fanatic myself. I used to work for the Philadelphia Phillies. Like I'm missing baseball too. Like, but it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Like, I, I, I don't know. It baffles my mind how people are like, oh, we need sports. We need concerts. We don't need any of it, guys. We really, yeah. we really don't. It's we entertainment. Yeah. It is entertainment, but that's what we have computers. We have TVs. Like, look at all of the artists that are doing um, the at-home shows. I mean, it's still entertaining to watch it. Like, so let's go back to the Phillies. What did you do for the Phillies? Uh, so I started in 2008, actually picked the best year to start. Yeah, uh, you did. I was a hostess. And then, um, 2009 to 2012, I worked security. Okay. Yep. 
Do you still keep in touch with anybody in the organization? Um, some, not can many. You, can you score us uh, the shortstop for the Phillies on the podcast? Let, let me um, let me call and see what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paul's the net. He pumps the network. Yes, I do. Yeah. Well, I'm the uh, the scheduler. He's for the sure closer and the scheduler. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, when, when, you know, in the movies and stuff, when they say, uh, like somebody gets hurt or somebody falls down, they're like, is there a doctor? Uh, why do you think it would make more sense for people to ask like, Hey, is there a nurse? Yes. How? Oh, yeah. 30%. So, uh, one of my passions, um, is traveling. Um, when this isn't going, I'm actually supposed to be in Jamaica right now, actually. Oh, uh, bummer. Yeah. Um, but, um, I'll never forget, um, uh, on a flight, they uh, called, is there any per uh, medical personnel? We have a medical emergency. So I responded, I walk up to the front of the plane, I'm like, I'm a nurse. And the lady sitting like the front row, um, like middle seat, and the guy that's sitting on the window seat turns like, well, I'm a doctor. I go, well, I'm the one that responded, and I'm a nurse? <laughs> Who would you rather have take care of you? Like, <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God. But I mean, hey, doctors deserve all the credit in the world too. I mean, we couldn't do what we do without them. So. Mm. And vice versa. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and I would, I would imagine, to your nurse question, I would think of the nurse universe, an ER nurse would be the, uh, the best possible solution for somebody in a crisis, mm. whether yeah, it's on a plane just, or wherever. We have so much experience to deal with so many different things. Like a lot of... Um, Nurses have specialty areas. We're a, can I curse? A shit show specialty. <laughs> mm. Yeah, you, you can curse on yeah. the show. <laughs> you guys are like uh, the superheroes that have like all the superpowers at once. Right. Yeah, we got all the tools we need. Right. Kind of like Superman, Wonder Woman. But they're kind of, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I guess. I'm, I'm not one of these Marvel guys. I don't know what, or, or DC Comics. Are yeah. you in any, any of that stuff, Mia? Uh, not too much. I love yeah. Wonder, Wonder Woman just because I think I am Wonder Woman. But. Yes. Not, <laughs> maybe that's another title. Uh, I like COVID Warrior because of the hat thing. <laughs> well, she gets to pick it. You know you get to pick your title, That's right. right. Uh, I like COVID worry, Warrior. I think that's a good one. Okay, nice. Yeah. All right, so if you're going to buy it, a new motorcycle, what, what would you get? Um, definitely another Harley. Um, probably a V-Rod. I, I don't really know. I'm I'm finding content with uh, what I have now. It's, are you uh, are you gonna replace the Jeep or are you getting something else? Ah, uh, so I actually just got my estimate yesterday. It's um nineteen thousand nine hundred sixty six dollars. Get repair. out. So uh, it's being repaired, which is technically better for me because it's a lease. Ah. Uh. And so three years from now, when I am done with my lease. I can just wipe my hands clean. And I don't have to worry about trying to sell a vehicle that has been basically totaled, but not totaled because it's a $49,000 car and damages are only 2000. Uh, so. Yeah. Very cool. Well, uh, yeah. what, what else should we know about COVID-19 or your experiences the last couple months? Uh, just that it's been a trying time for everyone and everyone needs to do their part to uh, please just take everything serious. It's not a joke. Um, uh, it, it's a real thing. It's killing way too many people. I mean, I think every day we're seeing hundreds of deaths still in New Jersey. Like, 
yeah, it might be slowing down, but it's not stopping anytime soon. So cool. just, everyone just needs to do their part. I'm doing my part. Everyone else needs to do their part also. Yeah, and for for most of the of the country, I guess you're saying that means stay home. Yep. Unfortunately, I know it's boring, but if that's what saves lives, that's what you got to do. Mm. Very cool. Any uh, last questions, Daniel? No, uh, I thought this was so cool, and it's so cool talking to you. And it's I really admire what you're doing, and and your both your emphasis on positivity, your resilience, and your your willingness to run toward the fire rather than away. Yeah, I learned a ton. Me, I really appreciate you joining us uh, for this. Well, I appreciate uh, the offer to talk to you guys. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure uh, sharing my story. Awesome. Yeah. If you enjoyed this episode, come find us on Facebook or Instagram and let us know what you think. We'd love to connect. Thanks for listening. 